This is Black Country Blokes Chewing the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. I've been your gang. This is Kev Dillon with the Black Country Blokes chewing the fat. We've got Lee Cadman, Craig Pinches, Aaron Jew. And today we've got a very special guest, Jenny Gordon, who's coming to us from Black Country Women's Aid. Now, we're supposed to be having Debbie Slater on today, but for unforeseen circumstances, she can't make it. So just send my love out to Debbie. You're a remarkable woman, and we'll get you back on very soon. But we've managed to get hold of Jenny Gordon, who also works with Black Country Women's Aid. And don't let the name fool you. They work with men as well. So De- um, Debbie, <laughs> Jenny, sorry, if you wouldn't mind just telling us about your roles and what your organisation does. Okay. Hi. Yeah, I'm Jenny Gordon and I work at Black Country Women's Aid. As you say, it, it, it open to men and women and children and young people. So sometimes the name itself can feel like a barrier to access support, but we are absolutely open for business for men. So um, my role, uh, I have a number of roles with inside the organisation. I manage the domestic abuse and sexual violence services. Um, and I also am therapeutic lead. So I run the counselling service there. Um, so uh, we do one to well, we did do face to face counselling, but at the moment it's um, telephone and obviously online. Um, we'll look to reinstating hopefully the face to face back in potentially September. Um, and we've piloted um, a men's group, um, which was uh, quite successful uh, late last year. Um, and I, I co-facilitated that. Well, I imagine at the moment, with everyone being locked up, domestic abuse at the moment must be, you know, just terrible. Where you can't escape your partner, you can't go to work, you can't go to the gym. You're locked in with a person who's doing the most harm to you. Absolutely. I think, you know, there's lots of government campaigns have, have, have lots of people are very nervous about that, that, um, you know, that people are trapped um, in very dysfunctional and uh, quite, you know, harmful situations at home that they can't reach to a phone. Normal, normal uh, avenues of support are cut off. So um, we're doing everything in our power to we're open for business. You know, we're seen as a um, as one of the key workers. So the big message for us is we're open for business. If you need us, we're there. We're trying to work creatively by working, you know, by telephoning people when they can or using online services and just getting the message out through GPs, through pharmacies, um, food banks, anywhere really just to let people know that uh, we are available. You know, if you do need emergency accommodation, you know, we can provide it. Again, the, the you're not on your own um, message, absolutely. Because um, there is concern, you know, that obviously on lockdown, that all of us, when this is, um, when lockdown finishes, that there's going to be a huge surge in um, in referrals. So we're planning for that as well. We're looking at all contingencies as to what needs to be done. Um, but really just trying to work as creatively as we can to be there for people when, when, when they need us. Has anyone got anything to say to that? 
No. <laughs> but yeah, my <laughs> story, the mic was muted and I had to reach up to um to, to get it. Um I know you're probably gonna mention this towards the end as well, but just so as we have like a couple of mentions of it, do you have a website where people can find you? Absolutely. Um I think it's just blackcountrywomensaid.co.uk. Um there are privacy buttons if someone comes into the room um, and you need to shut it down quickly. There are those. Um, there are different areas uh, of the website which look predominantly at domestic abuse, sexual violence, therapeutic counselling. Um, there are WhatsApp numbers you can now contact rather than a telephone number. If, you, if it's difficult to talk, there are WhatsApp numbers there where you can talk you know, without, without speaking. Um, so the, there's that uh, telephone number, um, which is a 24-hour number, um, 0121 um, And as the name suggests, it's Black Country Women's Aid. So we work across the whole of the Black Country, um, Warsaw, uh, Sandwell, Dudley, and Wolverhampton. Uh, all these numbers as well are in the comments, so they're already there. Uh, as we speak, if you look in the description, that, that number will be in there and the website if anyone does need to go to it. As it's Sorry. Mental Health Awareness Week, um, you know, one of the, I think, you know, if there's anything, uh, I suppose, good to come out of this pandemic, which is that the people's mental health um, is, has come very much into the spotlight. And there's an awful lot, if you just literally type in men's mental health awareness into google so much stuff comes up at the moment and really helpful um you know there's one uh, a, a looks like a relatively new website called calm campaign against living miserably and there's loads of stuff on there um, about triggers and how, how to get through lockdown if you're being affected by it events happening locally um there is that, you know, absolutely loads out there and it doesn't take much, literally two clicks on your website and you're into some really useful and helpful stuff. I think something you said then, which I thought was really good, that the, the, the privacy button. So I imagine there's so many people out there who are too frightened to phone or something in case the perpetrator walks in and catches them on the phone. Yep. Yeah, so if you go into the website, a lot of websites supporting th these issues issues you know uh, rape crisis um women's aid nationally and us if you go onto the site you look on the, on, on the the site and you'll see a privacy button where you can leave the site instantly or shut down the, the screen if you if you click on it and like to move on to something else because one of our previous guests who's become a very good friend and we found each other andy planned to come to your services and that's why i wanted to come on to this uh, not him in particular so I would never do that. But people who have had, been groomed or abused as a child, and I said to him, "When did you? When did you find? When did you have to do it?" Because I was tired of not doing it. I was fed up of keeping this to myself. And by disclaiming it and talking about it, then I come to terms with owning it, and now he's been able to move on with it. Right. I think that. If you're scared, and, and for all the you know all the reasons that of what's happened to you and the trauma that ensues, it's your people can be frightened to go in there and talk about it because they feel that potentially that they might be overwhelmed by what happens and that they won't be able to deal with that. But actually, when you're constantly pushing something down, it, it's called force field analysis, where 
when you push against something, it usually pushes back. And eventually when you take your eye off the ball and life happens and when you're really down, it all comes rushing out. It's like you can't hold it down anymore. Um, and then, of course, you know, um, unhealthy coping strategies uh, you can, be, can, can do because you're not actually dealing with the issue itself. You're just dealing with the, the behaviour. So um, without question, you know, talking about it is, is so important. Talking matters hugely for all the reasons that we've already talked about is that um, I think that it, it addresses all of the, the, the feeling of isolation. It addresses the fact that you actually know you're not on your own, that people, other people have been through this. And although everyone's experiences are their own, we're not trying to say that everyone reacts and is the same, but there's a commonality of reaction that you can attach to and understand. Um, and in the, uh, yeah, the men's group that we, that we ran was very much about the guys supporting each other. I was just privileged enough to be in the room because they most certainly supported each other in there. And that's what they, they gained. That was, that was the huge payoff for them was that to just sit and, 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 and trust each other enough to share. They didn't have to. No one had to share anything. Um, but what they did do was support each other massively. And I think that's what we, we need, not just in this time of um, lockdown, but we do need that shoulder to cry on. Being able to be allowing yourself to be vulnerable, but needing the strength to accept help. Yeah, I mean, we looked at all sorts of things. I mean, we, you know, we, we looked at, um, we looked very much at, at, at um, masculinity and what that might have meant to them and how, how subsequently they've had to deal with, with, with those, those, you know, with their trauma and being a man at the same time. We looked at shame and guilt and what that meant from a man's perspective. Um, we did a lot of psychoeducational stuff about what actually happens to your brain when you suffer trauma as a child and what that might mean to your coping strategies now. So normalizing, you know, why wouldn't you be feeling like this? It's not that you're abnormal feeling like this. You're absolutely normal. Why wouldn't you? So it was taking it from that perspective. Um, and um, so, you know, just normalizing that, you know, trauma can have a, a dreadful effect on people if it goes untalked about or you're unaddressed. Um, but I suppose, I mean, I think you and I talked about this before we came onto the podcast is that to get into a massive subject is that how we socialize our different genders. You know, I suppose there's a lot about gender equality these days, but there are still exists a huge difference between how um, men and women can be um, can be socialized and parented and brought up. And the messages that we get as children as to what's OK and what's not OK, what's OK to be a guy and what's OK to be a girl. And that can really affect how you move forward as an adult. So what would you say? Hey, we could because I'm I'm a dad to a four year old girl. Um, Craig, you've got two babies. Lee, you've got three. So but what would you? Cause it's hard, let me get my words right. It's hard to teach the right thing if you don't know it yourself. Does that make sense? Right. Because if yeah, yes, because we tend to parent how we were parented ourselves. You know, there's no manual comes with how to be a parent. There's no, um, it's so hard. So it's like, you don't know what you don't know. So most people fall back on how they were parented. But if that meant that there were issues around that and that it caused problems or there were, you know, that, that there was a, an abusive situation or a dysfunctional um, family relationship, becoming a parent yourself can, can be scary. You don't want to repeat those patterns. 
Um, but just knowing that, I think that, that you're aware that you don't want it to be the same as what happened to you. It gives you a bit of a baseline, doesn't it? It's, it's about being kind. And I think yeah. that's not a gender thing, isn't it, about being kind. It's about um, understanding how your actions impact on other people. And I think um, certainly when you're growing up, you know, children are quite self-centered, aren't they? And I think one of the, the ways that you, know, you mature and, and become an adult is how you understand how what you do impacts on other people. Um, when we start to look at um, the prevention agenda from the government around, you know, a healthy relationships, rape and sexual violence, um, we have to go into schools to talk about healthy relationships, what's okay, what's not okay, to get the message out to young people. Because when you get to, to 18, if, if, if it's normalised and it's, that's the experience you have at home and there's no one saying, actually, this is not okay, then you've kind of lost it at that point by the time they're 18. So the, the younger that you can, you know, the, the, the age of the children appropriately, using appropriate language always, of course, is talk to children about how we respect one another um, and what's okay and what's not okay. And I think not being frightened of having those conversations. Well, I said to you when we met on the phone earlier, I said, I, I asked Jasmine a lot to say, what's more important, to be beautiful or to be kind? And she always says, to be kind, Daddy. Always. Always. I mean, I, I have a, uh, a, a child, only I had uh, a daughter. And before I um, moved into working with these issues, I used to think, well, you know, how can you talk to children about, about these issues? You have to shield them. Actually, the way you shield them is to talk to the, and, and how you prepare them to be healthy, functioning adults is to have those conversations early on so that there's well, an understanding and, and that, you know. Well, you saying that, it's like I thought, like with all the, uh, the sexting and all these things, I thought it'd be a conversation I'd be having with um, a teenager. But I've, I've said to her early on, saying, you never let people take photos and these are your private areas. And, and I thought better mm. to tell her now than it to be a shock later. I'm not explaining why she shouldn't do it, just these are, you, you don't show your bits to people and this is your place. Absolutely. I mean, there's a big, a big push now on, uh, I don't know if you've heard the term ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and how yes. they impact. On, on, on adults, um, and most certainly it's, you know, domestic abuse, drugs and alcohol and mental health. Is there, any, is there anything you'd like to say about all this, Aaron? Yeah, sorry, Jenny, I was just going to ask about something that you mentioned previously um, in relation to obviously it being Mental Health Week. Um, in relation to somebody not having to reach out or get that far, I know you were saying that you're preparing for referrals. Sorry, is there an echo? No. Is it okay? Yeah, sorry. So you Yeah, I can't really hear you very well. Right, apologies. I had a feeling. Uh... Hi, can you hear me okay? Yeah. No. Is that better? Yeah, apologies for that. Sorry. Can you hear him, Jenny? Sorry. That's okay. Can you hear me okay? No, you're breaking up. It's coming in and out. Sorry. My internet's been an absolute mess. Um, I, I'll leave it just in case, but I'm just going to write it in the comments and then maybe one of you guys can just quickly ask. Okay. Yeah, sorry. It's, it's amazing. In 2020, we were all having bad internet connection. But um, alongside with the um, 
the sexual abuse and the domestic abuse. I know when I've talked to Debbie before, she was saying about uh, modern day slavery. Yes. Unfortunately, yes. Um, it's really come to the fore um, in the uh, in the recent years. Is um, serious organised crime used to be drugs and the and arms, and now it's easier to move people than it is drugs. Um, and unfortunately, the the economic situation in many countries is that people are fleeing for a better life. They would be. We all would if we were in that position. And yeah. then, and of course, then you have people who are willing to exploit that. And in uh, we have um, at Black Country Women's Aid, we have modern day slavery services where we do outreach to the whole of the West Midlands policing area. Um, and that's the three forms of uh, modern day slavery, um, which would be um, domestic servitude, um, women who are in the, the sex economy and um, predominantly men, whether it's uh, forced labour. Um, and all, we, we have all three in service. We have a, a refuge for women um, who are fleeing. They tend to be more pursued when they flee because of the amount of revenue that can be made from them. Um, but um, we have women and men from all over, from Vietnam, from, um, from Africa. Um, a lot of uh, young girls from Africa are brought in for the domestic servitude. Um, but very much we're working to support them, to help them. The, the government will identify them as having been uh, potentially uh, brought in um, for slavery. They'll have a, a period of rest and recuperation where the government will look at their um, status. Um, and then they'll stay with us if necessary, or we support them in the community. Um, and then we help them to move on with their immigration status um, and housing. But it's unfortunately, um, if you looked at it in purely business terms, and I'll use a, a business term here, it's our biggest area of growth in terms of business, as to when you look at the numbers that are coming through, it's frightening, the number of people who've been identified and need support. Roughly. I was actually going to ask that, sorry, Kev, I was actually going to ask that, do you feel, do you feel that this is, like, that part of the business or your organisation is always on the back foot, it's always going to be reactive as opposed to proactive? Because, I mean, we know it's been going on for, you know, for as long as people can document, like, um, human slave really, you know, any kind of slave labour. So do you feel that you're always going to be on the back foot with it as opposed to um, stopping the leak, as it were? Yeah, Black Country Women's Aid will always, in a sense, be the support element. You know, we, yeah. we're gonna, we have to rely on, on uh, the powers that be, the policing and the border force, to try and stop this, you know, certainly when we're working with um, people in what's called the national referral mechanism, um, if if they're able to, um, we the, the, the authorities will always want to know if they can help identify the people who are running the the the, the you know the the, the gangs and um, the and the slavery trade, because obviously they want to stop it. You know, it, it, yeah. we actually can't stop it. We can support those who've got entangled in it and been exploited by it. Um, so in a sense, we are on the back foot because we're only having to deal with the consequences of it. Our organisation yeah. currently um, can't address it from a, I suppose, a, um, a preventative element, but we can yeah. be there to support and move people through it and onward. 
Thank you. And it, it, it just makes you physically sick, doesn't it, to these poor people? And and these are the ones we know about, the poor souls who fell through the cracks. Yes, it's very hidden um, and, and, and sometimes difficult to prove, even if you are. Um, and people become so desperately displaced um, because they're frightened to go home in case the traffickers find them again or their families are threatened um, if they don't return to whatever it was that they were being forced to do. So it's fraught. And people say, oh, you know, we can just go home. Well, sometimes you can't go home because of the fear of what of the repercussions of going back, because that's where they're trafficked from, from where, where they've come from. Do you think a lot of that as well is, um, I think it was Ricky Gervais did like a speech, a controversial speech, at, uh, was it the Golden Globes or something not long back? And he went on about um, big corporations are actually use slave labour. I'm pretty sure is what he insinuated, the big technology companies. Do you think it like stems from that kind of thing? Obviously, you, you've got like the criminal aspect of it, but if you've got like big corporations that are world-renowned brands that are using cheap labour and, and, and you know, like slave labour prices, it sort of sets a precedent as well. Um, okay. You know, do you think that's some of the problem as well? Well, there's about three or four, maybe five issues right there. You know, I mean, I suppose... The easy, not the easiest. The one that would come straight to mind potentially, might you might be referring to, would be the um, the cheap labour in China that feeds the clothing industry. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's an international issue. <laughs> um, but what we're faced with is more, I think, exploiting individuals. I mean, the, the people that we come that come through to us, it's that time immemorial, isn't it? Is is that that there's people who will take advantage of those weaker and more needy than themselves. You know, you hate yeah. to think that's human nature, but unfortunately, um, that does happen. Um, and I think that although I would love our organisation not to exist, you think, you know, it would be great if we if we didn't have to exist to support for those who are being exploited. But I'm glad that we do so that we can. Yeah. yeah. I think it's remarkable what you what you guys are doing. Uh, Lee, uh, has Aaron written that message? Has it come through? He has, but uh, if I'll ask that in a minute for you. I've got a couple of questions myself, if you don't mind. I think that's no, a good that's question fine. to kind of close with. Um, yeah. I, I want to know a bit more personal. Uh, why do, how did you get into it, into your role, and, and how do you deal with... Because um, obviously you're going to hear some, some horrific stories, no doubt. Um, how do you deal with that yourself? Okay. Um, I came into... I trained as a counsellor 20 years ago um, and I was always quite passionate about women's issues. Um, I grew up in the 70s, so I was a bit of a, you know, <laughs> uh, I came up through that era. Um, I wanted to do something that um, I worked in the travel business for 20 years. And after I had my daughter, I decided I wanted to do something that was um, I had a portable skill that I could I could take anywhere with me and that it, I could work. Some of it was, it wasn't all altruistic. Some of it was practical that I wanted to have a role that was more flexible. So I trained um, as a counsellor and then as part of my placement, I had to have a placement um, where I had to do 150 hours in a voluntary sector placement. And I worked at Sandwell Rape Crisis when there was one. Um, and what happened then is after I'd done my placement there, 
I ended up um, being employed by them. I had a part-time role actually working for them. And my role really has, has evolved from there. Um, when um, Sandwell Rec Crisis was decommissioned, uh, we, I worked alongside our Chief Executive Officer, Sarah Ward, who's, um, who still uh, works, who's still the Chief Executive Officer there, the CEO. And we decided to embed a rape and sexual violence service inside um, a domestic abuse service, which was highly unusual at the time because they're usually separate. The two organisations don't normally sit together. But we put them together and um, I've worked there ever since. So I've been at Black Country Women's Aid for 16, 17 years. And have, we've evolved from having, I think, 25 employees. I think there's 140 at the moment. Um, and that's by diversifying, um, um, by investing in our workforce and, 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 tr and good solid training. Um, so I... I sort of have worked my way as, as the organisations got bigger and bigger and I've taken on different roles. Um, I had to to start with because as we diversified, you sort of you always grow quite quickly. And there's that dreadful moment where, you know, you're a um, you're bigger than your organisational, you know, you, you, you sort of stretch yourself to grow. So I've done um, some domestic abuse management and sexual violence management um, and and have loved it, really. I. I and I have never become immune to it. I think I still have days where you sit and you, you listen to a, someone's story and you think just, you know, oh, oh, my goodness. And I think the day you're never touched by that, the human story and the, and the trauma that you listen to is the day you should quit. <laughs> you know, is that I think that um, you learn, I think, to not take things home. I call it sticking to you where you have that pro that time between leaving work and getting home where I'm able to compartmentalize that and leave it at work. It's almost like shutting your filing cabinet and you may think about something on the way home, but you actually leave it behind in the car or you leave it halfway. There's sort of psychological sort of little techniques that you can, that you can um, use. And it does come with experience. I think, you know, trainee counselors, that's one of the things we, cause we support, um, student placements is about very much um, not uh, getting, you know, how, how do you protect yourself um, and not um, become affected by that? But you, you are affected because you're human and, and it is very sad and traumatic stories that you're listening to. But, um, you know, you have to learn to take care of yourself um, because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. So it's about remaining, having those professional boundaries to allow you to do the role that you do. And that does come with experience. Um, and there's always sometimes the, the odd client that will perhaps affect you more than others. But why wouldn't they? Yeah. Because what you said about that, that's brilliant, by the way. But when you're saying like about that organisation, what something Red Cross was closed down. And over the last like, two decades, really, We've lost so many organisations, haven't we? But I, I, I hope after this lockdown, we'll realise we've got to start throwing money. Yes, at the NHS, but we've got to be throwing money at the mental health services. Yes, I think since the sort of the, the big crash of 2008-9 and, and lots of services, unfortunately, lost funding and, you know, um, it's been a, a, a slow decline, really, uh, of all sorts of really yeah, much needed support services. I mean, the changes of um, 
of how organizations get their funding and local authorities and the you know, big commissions and it, it's been it's been difficult to navigate but i'm hoping that after this it has exposed gaps in in people you know getting the right help and the lack of the capacity to help everyone but i think the government have noticed that and are aware of it and are having i think are starting to look at ways to uh, support people more and invest more in support services um which so that that is good absolutely and i think you know whether you like them or not um or whether you support them or not you know uh william and kate from the royal family very much you know they're trying to raise the profile of mental health and certainly i think men's mental health um you know the work that harry did before he, before he left were you know around um you know with the men uh, coming out of the, the armed forces i mean I, I used to see a lot of that in um in the gambling rehab it would be sports personalities and servicemen who were suffering with gambling addiction and their mental health so to aim at those and i think there's lots of of celebrities coming forward or people high profile people who are, who are now starting to talk more about this and and to be to show their vulnerability and to share how their their journey and their um I suppose their their fear of going forward, but actually they've gained so much more by fighting through that fear and, and talking and what they've gained and the benefit they've gained from that. Well, if you think about the two princes losing their mother so young, and that would have been so, I mean, to lose your mother at any age is terrible, but they're talking and they were children having to pray at the funeral. And so I think that's why they're doing it because... At a young age, they, they understood what mental health was and the pain. Yeah. Yeah. So but I what, think there's lots of really, you know, good, there's lots of good <coughs> campaigns. There's lots of um, awareness raising um, uh, going on. And I think that now, you know, unfortunately, I think through lockdown, it is going to make things worse for some people. But I think that now that those conversations are coming through, that, that now's the time, you know, when, when you can start to get out and about more now is to really think about you know what what you might need for your for support and and, and what you might need or for help and who to go to because there's certainly a lot you know it's easy to find just um on the internet as i said type in men's mental health awareness week and it just loads of it comes up something you touched on just as well was about the gambling addicts uh, would you talk about yeah. that? You said something just off camera, and I thought it was brilliant. So, if you if you'd like to talk about the work you do with that as well, please. Um, I don't do it anymore, but I did. I worked for the Gordon Moody Association, which ran two. Um, it was they were gambling uh, rehab programs, one in Dudley and one in Beckenham in Kent. Um, and we um, basically it was for men at the extreme end of gambling addiction, where, as you said, they'd lost so much and um some of them they came to us instead of going to prison because they weren't actually a threat to the public and that it was decided that um they would uh, come and do that it was a it was a nine-month program then it's um a lot shorter now due to funding but they would do three months when they first came in looking at triggers and where the gambling had actually taken them to some real sort of the tough work about really um being honest about where the where, where the gambling had taken them and then they do three months in counseling with myself and there was another girl there um 
so and then the last three months was about um sort of outwardly facing about getting jobs and about relapse prevention because most people at some point will relapse but um it's 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 very difficult addiction because as i said earlier you know you can't see it there's no tangible evidence of it until it gets can get really chronic um but there's many reasons that just like anything really it's as far as that the um the counseling was concerned it was about looking at their life events as to what potentially brought them to that just as you would around drugs or alcohol or self-harm or uh, any of the coping mechanisms that people adopt gambling's just another one of them there'll be something that sits underneath it well like with the boxing Budweiser aren't allowed to sponsor uh, boxing anymore or cigarette firms but every advert everything is William Hill, William Hill, put a bet on, put a bet on. But I don't think an addiction is an addiction. Oh, absolutely. Yes, it is. Um, and it, it, it is an easy, I mean, like any addiction to, but but that's, as you say, completely in your face now. Every in The television after nine o'clock, you can't escape it. Has anyone got anything to say, Craig or Lee? Or does Aaron want to type a message? Or have we got any messages coming in? So, Aaron, unfortunately, Aaron's internet has gone down and he's gone off, but he did leave me a message, so uh, I'll just read this out now. Um, so, Aaron wanted to ask if there there was any potential tips or tricks or advice Jenny would recommend to people at home, maybe to mitigate some of the influx of refer referrals we may get post-COVID lockdown. um okay so the question is how that what how as black country women a black country women's are going to cope once the lockdown's gone and we're going no, to it, be um it's more if you've got any advice how, how how people can kind of help themselves before getting to the point of coming to you okay um if you go on to um one of the websites i think well first of all it's about yeah what's exactly what's happening i mean why are you safe you know you can come out of lockdown if if your life's at risk. Come out. There's phone calls. I've just given out the telephone number. There's a 24-hour line. And there is support there. If you need to leave, leave. Um, that might sound a bit trite and easy, but um, most people know their own risk. And if the risk starts to go up and they think things are starting to get to, to a head, is there is support out there for you. Um, if you can contact us in any way to try and reach out so you don't feel alone and isolated. Um, you know, we've got the WhatsApp call, we've got the, we've got the, um, the website, and there are the girls on the end of the phone. The, girl, the, the offices are manned nine to five, Monday to Friday. There's people there on the end of a phone. Um, so I think it's about, um, and treating yourself with kindness. You know, everyone deserves to be treated with respect. And sometimes our own voices can be a little harsh in our own heads. Sometimes we speak to ourselves way more harshly than we would to a friend or, or a relative. And um, yeah, it's really tough. And of course, if you've got children as well, that makes it doubly difficult with the children being off. Um, I think if you look at the, um, I think there's an ITV. Um, well, actually the, the, the website that I said, which was Calm, C-A-L-M, <laughs> um, They've got a whole uh, list of ways to help support yourself in lockdown. Um, there's, there's helpful um, suggestions there. 
Because when, when I've talked to people who have gone through domestic abuse, I think it's not the fear of being punched in the face. Because a, a punch is a punch, isn't it? But it's the fear of being punched. Or it's when you've le- left, uh, lost your self-worth, thinking, well, if I leave this person, who then is going to want me? Because I am just this. And I imagine that's what so many poor people go through. And if, as you just said, if the fear or that something's going to happen, it's worth leaving the house, it's worth leaving the situation because you've got to put yourself and your children first and you are better in this situation. Someone will love you. Right. Absolutely. You know, people's identity, their personal identity can be stripped away and they feel that um, that they're worthless and what they're doing is they're absorbing the words of the of the person who's abusing them and they're taking them as their own and they don't feel like they have an identity. Um, if you go on to um, the, the, the website, it says some stuff to help you through this strange time. So there's all sorts of stuff there. But absolutely, you know, is that you, um, you can, yeah, you can lose your sense of who you are uh, and feel worthless. Um, but that's part of, you know, there's a process of, of, of domestic abuse. Um, and part of that is isolating people. Also, you're now doubly isolated. Um, but also chipping away at a person's view of who they are themselves and their personal identity. Well, it's been wonderful, Jenny, for coming on. I'm going to ask you two things. When we finish, I'd like to um, have our guest think of a quote or an inspirational thing. But before I ask you that, oh, we've already touched on it, um, but I'm going to ask every guest this week this. What positive do you think will come out of the the lockdown for mental health. Sorry, can you repeat that? You broke Sorry. up a bit. If there is any, can you think of any positives that we can take out of this lockdown considering mental health? Yes, I think it's shining a, 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 a tractor beam on it. It's being illuminated. It's being talked about. Certainly men's health, um, you know, which sometimes can you can lose a bit under the radar, but lots of... Um, of services, you know, uh, and lots of talk on social media, lots of support for each other. I think there has been that sort of towards the NHS and in general, people have been reaching out to help other people and showing kindness perhaps where we didn't before or, and I think that absolutely that's going to happen and hopefully that continues. But um, I think services and the, the conversations that are being started now will continue. And have you got any quotes or sayings that have helped you get through your dark times? Um, before I came on the um, on the, the the show today on the podcast, um, I was looking at various resources that I could talk about um, during the, the podcast and. In it was this um, little magazine. It's an online magazine. It's called Happy Full, which sounds a bit cheesy. And I thought, oh, what's that? And I had a look. And there was an article in there um, with this guy who'd, who'd um, it's a, it, he, he'd been in some really dark and, and lonely places and, and he'd faced suicide and, and mental health. And he said one of the things that he would say to men who, who felt like that was, um, it's about living with hope and not existing with despair. So I think to live with hope is much better than to exist with despair. And if you're, you know, be brave, reach out, and there will be people that will help 
that will be there for you and help you and listen without judgment. Well, once again, thank you very much for coming on. Now, all this week, we're going live at six o'clock on these two channels on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. Tomorrow, we're joined by Mick Maguire, who's the head coach at Jewelry, Jewelry Quarter Boxing Club in Birmingham, where we're going to be discussing mental health within boxing gyms and the boxing family. So hopefully you'll all tune in next week, uh, tomorrow, get my words out right. So until we talk tomorrow, gang, tomorrow a bit. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you'd like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta a bit.